0: It reads, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. As you take your seat, let me announce it one more time. My cross, my story. In this text, we have two men. Both are criminals with one who has committed no crime. In this text, we see that not only was one criminal hailing insults and railing against Jesus, but so were the Jewish leaders and the guards mocking him and insulting him, saying, if you, if you are who you say you are, prove it. If you can save others, can't you save yourself? Many were saying, he healed the blind and made a lame to walk. Can't he deliver himself? what this points out to us that many times people in their lives will realize when things are not going the way they think they should they look now to doubt and dis and have disbelief and unbelief on things that don't make sense to them what's not making sense to them if he's a king why is he dying if he's a healer how come he's not healing himself But yet we see one criminal there at the time that we can pick up our lessons from and realize that he understood who Jesus is. It says here, if you look closely here, that Jesus is at the place called the skull. It says that two others were with him and they describe these two others as criminals. The Luke Uh, Gospel of Luke, the author, Luke himself, is distinguishing, making sure you understand that two were criminal, one one was not. But all three are going to die. He wants to make sure that we realize that Jesus was numbered amongst the transgressors, but he was innocent of all crimes. So we see guilty dying with innocence, and innocence dying to set the guilty free. The criminals are getting what they deserve, and Jesus is getting what he does not deserve. We can learn from these criminals that ask Jesus to remember him. Jesus is asked, because he is King of kings and Lord of lords, to remember a lowly criminal on a cross, guilty of crimes he has done. And he asked the king to remember him. He asked the king to take the time while he's entering his kingdom to remember a man that pretty much might have had a life of crime, a life of shame, a life of guilt. But he asked the king, while you're going into your kingdom, remember me. I don't know about you, but I think a king will have other things on his mind going into a kingdom than worry about a man convicted of his crimes, convinced that he is guilty. No, he is guilty going to take the time to remember him. If I can walk down my own blood, I forget sometimes what I went to the store for. And that's the reason why I went to the store to get what I wanted at the store. But I forgot. But a criminal, a guilty man asking a king to remember him when he's claiming his kingdom. Shows to us how much reverence he had for a king to say, if you could remember me. Can I walk down somebody's block? Aren't you glad that when other people forget about you? That one person came by and said, I got you something. Other people passed your Bible. One person called your name and you said, ha, somebody was thinking about me. And this criminal right here is now forsaken, left for dead. Nobody's caring about him. But he had the nerve to look at Jesus and say, ha, remember me. What can we learn from this criminal, his story, his cross? In his simple request, we can see three actions we, too, can reflect in our life towards Jesus. One is to fear God. Two is to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Three is to accept his judgment and confess our sins. First, he feared God. Do you not see that in the text? One was railing against him, saying, if you are who you say you are, Save yourself and save us while you're at it. The other one looked at him and said, how dare you? Do you not fear God? Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Hello, somebody. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. So tell your neighbor, if you want to be wise, fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. But a fool despises wisdom and discipline. And so, I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself, so I don't want to make anybody else a fool, but I've been a fool. I've despised wisdom and discipline. Mama, daddy tell me they're going to give me whatever. Teachers say they're going to give me the merits, whatever. Principal say they're going to kick me out of school, whatever. The law tell you to slow down, Whatever. And, and, and when we get disciplined, we realize that they weren't playing with what they were saying. That when we realize if I can obey what God has told me to do, it's amazing how things start working out evenly in my life better than I would think or even imagine just by trusting in the Lord. But a fool brings calamity upon themselves by not heeding to instructions. Fear leads us to obey the Lord and respect his name. A lot of us, a lot of us have been obedient to people because we fear the outcome. You show up to work on time because you fear not having a job. Other stuff you don't show up on time because you have nothing to fear, but you show up late. You don't want to miss that paycheck. You don't want to be without a job because you like having money in your pocket. How you hear other people say you can call me anything but what, late to eat? They fear not eating, so you better call my name when it's time to ring the bell, I'll be there. When we understand how we ought to live and and work, we realize there's certain things that we fear, and we won't go any further. There's people out there that have certain phobias, and when you have a certain phobia, you stay awake. That's scared. You scared of heights? You don't go up high places. You scared of spiders? You don't go where there's dark places. When you're scared of stuff, you stay away from it. Let me help somebody out. The Bible reminds us that the wages of sin is death. If you fear death, then you need to stay away from sin. Because when you realize what God is not playing, that you will get burnt playing with fire, you realize that I might want to stay away from what's going to hurt me, what's going to endanger me, what's going to kill me. So when we feel the Lord, we stay away from foolish things. Tell your neighbor, stay away from foolish things. Fear is what the Lord demands. He says in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. We find out in Revelations 14 and 7. Or if you look at how you can summarize the law of man in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man wait a minute solomon how's it that you've been wise all this time you had pleasure you had riches but all that is nothing you found out the only thing that's going to make you rich is to fear the lord and obey his commandments Let me help somebody out. Jesus tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his uh, righteousness. And all these other things uh, will be added unto you. He's pointing out that if you want to be rich, it's not playing the numbers. It's not scratching off a lottery ticket. It's not going to bingo. Not playing in your garage, your man cave, or wherever it is you play your cards. But yet seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what makes you rich. Yes, you can sow a lot of money, a lot of places, but that won't make you rich. You can sow money to stocks and to all these things, but I guarantee you they will fall. They they will fall. How do I know they're going to fall? Because you're going to destroy this earth. So anything you invest with monetary realizing that it's going to bring back God says store your, your treasures where? In heaven. Hello, somebody. So we need to be caught up and realize with so much time. Tell me how I can be rich here and be poor for eternity. That's the wrong that's the wrong philosophy. I, I'd rather be poor here and rich in eternity. Look at this criminal here. Do we not see him poor? But he dies rich. Y'all, y'all see that? He's poor on the cross. Dying to a death as a criminal because he is. And he's guilty and he knows it. But he talks to the king and says, remember me. The king assures him today. Today you'll be with me in his whole circumstances of his life changed in his confession of fear towards the Lord. I want to remind you somewhere to, somewhere here today has not confessed the Lord. Your whole situation, your whole life can change in one confession. You can go from being a have not to having everything. Because you'll realize when you confess God as your Lord and Father and realize that he owns the cattle on the thousand Hill, then you own it. Because he adopts you as father. And since he adopts you as father, you become his child. And since you become his child, you become a co-heir. A co-heir. He didn't say second in line. Hello, somebody. No, you got the queen. You got all these princes, everybody who's in line. I'm 34th person from the throne. 35, whatever it means. I don't have to say I'm 35. No, I'm next to the throne. How am I next to the throne? Because I'm a co-heir with Jesus. I reign with him. Because he reigns through me. And so the power that we realize that when we confess and fear him, our circumstances can change. Second, we learn from him is that he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Do you see how he acknowledges him as Lord when he looks to him and and, and speaks to him towards his kingdom? He realized that you must be Lord, you must be king. Because you're entering your kingdom. Y'all see that? Says, Jesus, remember me. Will you come into your kingdom? Who has kingdoms? Lords. He realized that it's your kingdom. Now look closely here. He's a criminal on a cross, condemned by their king of Rome, Caesar, but he looks to the king. Who can change his sentence? We seen in the movies someone's on death row, they're waiting for the call to stay the execution. But the call don't come. They done. Hope is lost. They wait for that phone. Phone does not ring. The water snows his head. He looked at his watch. Ching, switch the throne. But yet he looks to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's full aware of the laws that he has broken, the people that he has hurt, the lies that he has lied, the crimes that he has committed. He even confesses to them and says, we are guilty for what we have done, but he stands innocent. Do you not fear God? He realized that if Jesus is Lord, I must be a sinner. Things change when we put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. We realize how great he is, how small we are. I read it somewhere that says the time when we come to church should be the opportunity that we bring our little gods before the great God." And we start realizing the things that we worship is really not all worth it. I, I guarantee if we go over our lives and start realizing how we spend the majority of our time, we will find out that we give God not as much time as we think. Y'all quiet on me. If I followed you throughout the day, I bet you I could chronicle up how many times you ate, how many times you watched the TV, how many times you might have read a book, how many times you might have gone out shopping and those times would have been a lot more than when you read your Bible that you spent in time and prayer. You spent in time and ministry because we give pockets of times for those aspects, but we give majority of our time what pleases us. But if we start looking at it, start realizing every time I come into this place to worship, I start realizing that the TV has took his place. Uh, My entertainment has took his place. Uh, My wife has took his place. My children has took his place. My joy of spending my money has took his place. And then I start confessing and repenting and realize, Lord, you are Lord, you are king, and I need to worship you with everything I got. For those who lost what I'm saying, let me help you out what I'm saying. Jesus says this, that you are not worthy of being his disciple. If you did not love him more than your wife, your children, your fathers, your parents, even your life. Y'all catch that? He's pointing out that when we put other things before him, we are putting him left. But we need to realize that sometimes in the middle of your favorite TV show, hello somebody. He's just going to turn off. and say, Lord, let me spend some time with you. Tell your neighbor that's sacrifice. Sacrifice means that, Lord, I give up my time to you instead of trying to do it for myself. It got to cost you something. Because some of us, when we fast for food, don't cost you another because you're trying to lose weight anyway. Going to not eat your lunch today and going to say you're fasting. Nah, you just chose not to eat. But fasting is a sacrifice that burns inside and realize I desire this food. But, Lord, I desire you more. And some of us, fasting from food won't get, so you need to fast for entertainment. I want to listen to music, but Lord, I want to listen to you more. I want to watch this TV show, but Lord, I want to watch you guide me in, your, in my life. We sing songs, order my steps. We walk by faith, not by sight. But how often are we convinced to live a life that models those words? We see a criminal on the cross and realizing that I fear him. In the midst of my death, I fear him, and, and cast this, cast this, cast In his fear, he's accepting his judgment. In acknowledging Jesus, he surrendered, the third aspect, he surrendered to his judgment. The judgment is that I am guilty and I deserve to die. Y'all see that? He realized that we deserve what we are getting, but he does not. When we realize that Jesus is Lord of our lives and we fear him and we want to be in his presence, we also need to surrender to his judgment. What is his judgment? The judgment is this, that sin is evil and it causes death. But the grace of God. But the grace of God. But the grace of God. But by the grace of God. God. Paul said, I am, that I am, but by the grace of God. He says it again, that we are not saved by works, but by faith through grace. Tell your neighbor, it was grace. It was grace that set us free. It was grace that died on Calvary. It was a work of grace that gives us the opportunity to see his face. Looking at his acceptance of his judgment. He realized that, Lord, only you can set me right. He couldn't look at the criminal get him right. Caesar couldn't give him mercy. The guards could not give him mercy, but one person could give him mercy in the state of time, in the state of punishment, in the state of guilt. He realized one name can give me mercy. And he looked to the king who gave him clemency. He looked to the king that gave him a pardon. He looked to the king that gave him one more chance. If you're familiar, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say that I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the living bread. And he's pointing out that in me is life. And he gave life to one who was dead. Anybody here understand what it means to be dead? To be dead, it means to be away from God. Theologically, to be dead means to be in darkness and absent of light. When we read life many times in our Bible, it speaks of eternal life. Y'all know what eternal life means. Eternal, eternal life means that you will never die. Jesus tells a man who is dying that this day you'll be with me in paradise. That sounds like a paradox. How can I, I'm going to die on this cross, but at the same day, at the same time, I'm going to be in paradise. My mind woke up like this. It's like getting on a plane. I got on the plane today in Peoria, but I landed the same day in another state, in another city, in another country. I woke up one day, in one place, but I landed somewhere. Let me help somebody always pointing out that when you know him, things just change. You don't lose anything. We gotta realize and tell your neighbor, wake up, stop holding on to this world, cause you gotta let it go, cause Jesus is letting you know, I'm gonna give you something new. Yeah. He's letting them know, the pain you're feeling now, the troubles you're feeling now, the, disp- the depression you're feeling now, I'm gonna change and win today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be in the bosom of Abraham. Y'all familiar with that story, the bosom of Abraham? The story about Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus stayed at the gate of the rich man. The rich man stayed in his nice, nice place eating. The, rich, the, the poor man, Lazarus, Nazar crumbs from the table, couldn't get that. All he got was a dog licking his sores. Heard someone say the dog's name was Moreover. Because the dog Moreover licked his sores. <laughs> As all he had was the dog to lick his sores. But when he died, the man was in punishment, in penalty, in despair, in doubt, in depression, in disbelief. But the man, Lazarus, was in the bosom of Abraham. He was living his life in poor and poverty, neglected and forgotten, but lived a life acceptance and 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 exaltation in the presence of those who despised him. Tell your neighbor, it can change today. The Lord can change your circumstance today, that your outlook changes today. You realize that I don't have to fear tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. And so when we realize that we are saved by grace, we look at death differently. Death has been defeated, so that enemy, tell him, come on, give me what your best shot, because all you're going to do is get me closer to him. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What do I gain? I gain to be in his presence. I gain rest. I gain peace. And that's comfort in times of trouble, is it not? To know that this is not going to last all. Right. Don't, don't you, don't, don't you want to hear that when people have, see you in trouble, they try to give you words of consolation to let you know it's going to get better? But Jesus does not give us words of consolation. He gives us words of resurrection. He lets you know that I can change your circumstances. To what you think is gone cannot be fixed. I can fix it. To what you feel is broken, I can make whole. My says, I'll make it new. So we see this man's actions. You see them. He feared the Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And then he surrendered to his judgment. In his confession of his judgment, he realized that I'm guilty. We too need to do the same when we stand before the Lord. I am guilty. But by his grace, we are saved. Look at the grace of our Lord. Jesus, comfort him with words of eternity. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Or I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus lets him know that in his dying hours, he will finally be at rest. When we come to Jesus with our troubles, our pains, our sins, our heartaches, he desires to give us peace in the midst of the storm. It's times like this is when we can turn to the Lord and say, Father, remember me. When your bank account gets low, you can look to the Lord. Lord, remember me. refrigerator is on empty. You can say, Lord, remember me. Your cell battery is low on your phone. You can't call somebody else. But you can call on the Lord here and say, Lord, remember me. One thing I like about our God, you're never out of coverage. You're never out of the area. You're never roaming. But you're always covered. And the beautiful thing, the man was on the cross, far away from a priest, far away from a tabernacle, but he was still near the Lord. Can I help somebody out? You might be going through some trials or some tribulations. You might not be able to reach the pastor or a deacon or your mother or your father, but you still can reach the Lord. And say, Lord, remember me. I don't know too much about this man, this criminal, but in my, in my imagination, I can see, here how he died on this cross. He died on this cross because he lived a life of rejection and rebellion. Possibly rejected by the world, so he rebelled. You don't like me, well, I don't like you, so what will I do? I'll harm you. I'll rob from you. Matthew's gospel put him as a thief. Luke just puts him as a criminal. So he was stealing to survive. And then once the stealing was done, he's been caught. He at his dying hour realized that my life has been empty. I, 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 I have enough sense to not mock this man that the Bible tells us, as we know now, maybe you heard those stories that he can make the lame to walk. He can make the blind to see. He can raise the dead from the grave. He can speak the words and they are healed. He fed fed a multitude, not once, but twice. And there was food left over. Lord, if you can think about me for a little while, I might just make it. And look how the Lord replied to him, tell your neighbor, God will answer you. And and look how the Lord replied to him. I I can see it in my mind, imagination, in these words. In these words, this is what Samuel Durant sees. I see how God has said, that's what I came for. In these words, I see God saying, that's what I came for. So I assure you today you'll be with me in prayer. Jesus says, I come for the lost. I've come for the lost. This man's lost. That's his story. He's lost seeking to be found. And lo and behold, he gets to be hung next to Jesus in his dying hours. Which also suggests to me what I see in this text, that when we need him most, he's right there. And Jesus says, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. you will get paradise. Paradise to us, oftentimes we think of the gambling casino. But that's not paradise. Paradise, in this text, is suggesting to us and showing to us the garden. If you're familiar, the Garden of Eden, it was paradise. And in this garden was the tree of life. You know that paradise has a tree of life. Paradise has the tree of life. Paradise has the tree of life. So where is the tree of life? It's in paradise. And where is paradise? It's in his presence. And in his presence, there's a throne. And in his presence on this throne, out of the throne comes water that brings life. And on both sides of this water is the tree of life. And his leaves gives healing. Hello, somebody. What I'm finding out here, that when I look to my Lord who promised me paradise, in paradise I find my healing. In paradise I find my peace. In paradise, I find comfort. In paradise, I am promised he'll wipe the tears from my eyes. He'll remove pain and suffering, and he'll be my God, and I'll be his child. In paradise, I don't have to worry about rising up or laying down. It's forever hello and never goodbye. In paradise, all my troubles all over. In paradise, I have peace forevermore. In paradise, I have rest. And Jesus lets them know that today you can be with me in paradise. What's your story? What's your cross? This text does not say they were crucified with Christ. It says two were crucified. But we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and say we ought to say I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So the life that I now live, I live through faith for the one who loved me and died for me. My cross reminds me of my sins that were nailed back on Calvary. My cross reminds me that I am guilty of all punishment that should come to me. But also my cross reminds me of the grace that has been given to me and so I can bear my cross knowing that my cross does not point to me judgment of death and separation but my cross symbolizes me my life and my resurrection So my cross and my story is that, yes, I'm dead. Yes, I'm a criminal. Yes, I've lied. Yes, I've cheated. Yes, i steal. But that's all right because you can judge me all you want. But my Lord has given me mercy. My Lord has given me grace. My Lord has given me joy. So now I live for him. So do not fall for the traps of this world. But hold on to Christ. And let that be our testament on Christ. The solid rock, I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. May we stand. Lord, we come right now, just total surrender to your God. Lord, we come with total brokenness. before